0: I'm speaking today with Richie Gill, who is the Managing Director and Chief Cultural Officer for Axilent. Axilent works with organizations to help them fulfill their purpose through the development of conscious leaders, aligned teams, and a culture of excellence. Well, uh, so, Richie, my, my first question, what is conscious business or conscious capitalism? This is a, a terminology that many of us are not familiar with. And in my own kind of recent work and conversations, when I've been using these terms, Um, I get a lot of quizzical looks. So I'd love to hear how you describe this, if if it's in a a business setting or a cocktail party type setting.
1: Yes. Well, um, what we define as as conscious business is a way of of doing business uh, which implies uh, paying attention to the the consequences of your actions and to, to your intentions and to what's going on. It's it's a way of of interacting with uh, other organizations, um, uh, helping them develop conscious leaders or people that operate in this way, uh, teams that operate in this way, and then uh, a whole culture of of excellence that operates around uh, consciousness and awareness. We believe that consciousness... Our, and 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 business can go hand in hand and uh, it's not only a philosophy of awareness but it's also a set of uh, skills to bring that awareness to, uh, to to bear in in the everyday business and to create a practice where this this consciousness manifests in in virtuous be, uh, skills and behaviors does that make sense
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so. So what is it that you work for a company called Axiolent and I've written about them on cause capitalism before. What is, how would you describe what Axiolent does and your role within that?
1: Well, we, um, what we do is, is, is uh, we help other organizations fulfill their purpose. Um we believe uh, companies are in business uh, in the pursuit of a higher purpose, of a noble purpose, trying to make the world a better place. And, and we believe that the human dimension of business is very instrumental to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, working, uh, creating uh, um, or helping create conscious leaders, uh, conscious teams and, and conscious cultures um, is uh, is very appropriate uh, for 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 helping organizations pursue their noble purposes, and as I said before, it's it's a it's a philosophy, uh, it's a body of of philosophical principles, but it's also a like a toolbox of, um, of skills and behaviors that uh, can help the company in, in, in their everyday work and interactions to, to behave like this and uh, therefore accomplish their, their mission and, and their strategies.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. What type of reactions do you get when you share this with people? Do people, are they really intrigued by it? Are they skeptical?
1: Well, that depends to to who you're you're speaking to. Uh, many people, uh, of course, are skeptical, uh, and we welcome skepticism. Uh, in <clears throat> like it's the mind of a scientist who is in the pursuit of of truth, and, and a a healthy dose of skepticism helps us uh, work with that person and uh, eventually uh, they can um, realize by themselves that it, it is possible it, it is doable those principles are applicable and that it can help them in their in their pursuit of of their own excellence and uh, and uh, sustainable success and then they become very strong advocates um, we also meet uh, people that uh, are only interested in uh, making their business more successful. And, and with them, we uh, can have a conversation around how uh, an aligned strategy, uh, human strategy or an, an aligned culture can be a leverage point or can be a, a, a very strong asset to pursuing that, uh, those business results. and And that can work, too. Uh, And other people uh, are intuitively connected to the fact that uh, being a more conscious business is what they are, what business is all about. And then with those people, we can have very different conversations from the outset. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that whenever we work with a client, the place where we start and the place where we end are very, very different in the sense that these conversations evolve over time because uh, uh, ultimately what happens is that uh, clients start to, to realize that uh, through, sometimes through this process with Axialent, that they're in business for something much more transcendental and, and significant and meaningful than uh, just creating shareholder value, which is in itself a very important thing to do. And it's not the only reason why people are in business. People come to business because it's a um a stage or a um a place where you can display your your greatness in the same way you become part of a community or you become part or you grow a family or um or you are contributing to certain uh NGOs mm-hmm. in the same way uh, creating business and making an impact in the world is what business is about
0: mm-hmm. do you you mentioned that the beginning is always different than the end, that, that, that there's always it's a, a journey or a transformative experience. Do you encounter, are there a fair amount of people that you work with through Axelent that, um, you know, they, they think, they say to themselves, they say to you, we're getting into this because we want to improve our business um, without really understanding, and you know, if they full the, the full degree um, to what this may, the work that you do with them may really transform their lives and their outlook on their life and their work. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have a, you know, you've worked in the corporate sector um, very successfully for a while. You have a degree in industrial engineering. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became, you got to do, and you you uh, are doing the work that you do now?
1: Yes. Well, I I was, uh, as you say, in the in the corporate world, having a, I would say, a pretty successful management career. Uh, I was getting promotions. Uh, I was um, having more responsibilities, and uh, my my and that's what I did for um, almost 20, 25 years of my life. And uh, in the last uh, seven years of my corporate life, I, I started to work for a, a service, an IT services company uh, called EDS, Electronic Data Systems. And uh, as I started to work for that company, uh, completely oblivious of anything that has to do with uh, you know conscious business, I was just uh, um, um, I would say uh, a, a decent manager. And um, when I started with EDS, I uh, was told that I because I was leading the HR function, I, w- I had to represent my company in a in a program that that EDS was a part of. And uh, I went to this program and and as I walked through the door, that was the first time in my life i I met uh, Fred Kaufman mm. who was uh, leading that course uh and and he was a facilitator and and the teacher so um i became his um, his student and his his class participant first i became his class participant uh, the 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 truth is i i was i was a strong skeptic at the beginning sure. of all these concepts and, but then I became uh, his student, too, and I started to study the material, I started to practice with the material, and I realized that this, this had a, a, a huge implications. And as I, start, as I continued my practice, it started to have incredible um, ripple effects in, in, at work, but also outside of work. So I became the internal champion of, of the programs for EDS. Uh, and uh, and then when the, the, the time was ripe in and, and the year 2003, um, we were, had been speculating with Fred all those years, is it possible to, to make a, a global business out of, of this offering? And can we become a, a company or, or could we make this a business that takes a conscious business to the world? as a, as, a, as a product and service offering and, this and is then um,
0: through EDS could you make EDS a business that did
1: that no, could, could you make a business okay. uh, and uh, it was not it was not at the core of EDS mm-hmm. you know what happens normally when you are working inside the corporate world is that the hr function and I'm not saying in all the companies, but in most companies, the HR function is a support function. Mm-hmm. So it's not the core of the business. So the core of the business of EDS was uh, IT services. Uh, in the same way, you know, the core of many of our clients is the the, the products or services they, they they put in the market. And uh, and, the, and the culture and the, and the and conscious business becomes an enabler of that. So uh, we were dreaming of building that enabler and taking it to the market. And then in the year 2003, the, the conditions were ripe, and that's when we started Axialent. So I became a, one of the founding partners of the company. And I've been with Axialent ever since. Okay. So now I'm a consultant, an industrial engineering engineer doing consulting business. <laughs>
0: Right, and your your excellence, right, also a managing director and chief cultural officer. Yes. So, um, and so what were some of the, could you talk about some of the material and the teachings? You said that you were a student of Fred, Fred Coffins for several years. Yes. Um, had he developed these four businesses at that time? And what did you, is there an example you can share of a particular practice perhaps that you Put into play that you felt really did have that ripple effect, and you could see the results within EDS and your work there.
1: Well, well, yes. One of the one of the first learnings I remember very very strongly was uh, the moment I realized that um, I had I, while well, I could not control what uh, came uh, as a challenge from life. And I realized that I was always focused on things that happened to me, things where I, I used to label things either as good or bad mm-hmm. uh, in terms of did I like them or not. But uh, I, I very, very soon learned that it's, um, I have very little leverage on, on what keeps coming to me as, as a challenge and that I had a lot of leverage in the uh, possibilities of responding to that challenge. And uh, when, when I started to focus on my capacity uh, of response to the challenge, I, I realized that I, I had a lot more power within myself that I used to believe. And when you start to think like that in terms of your capacity to respond to the challenges of the environment, you uh, literally, your life shifts because then you realize you're in charge. You uh, you can always choose your response. There is a, a space of consciousness between uh, stimulus and response. I mean, it's it's like I realized that I was living like an amoeba in a way. Uh, you know, I was just reacting to the impulses of, of life and, and whatever came to me. And I was not paying attention to that space of consciousness that allows you to choose your your response. And as as I started to live like that, literally, my life changed. Uh, my my relationship with my children changed. My relationship with my spouse changed. Uh, with my friends, uh, with inside EDS, and and of course, you know, with my my colleagues and uh, and my my um my my professional colleagues and uh and, and then I I started to love that that principle. The other principle that became very obvious very early to me is that the sense of wonder and the sense of oh, awe that, that we all have when we are little childs. And then we, we tend to lose as we become, become adults and, and become more certain of things. And, and then we, we know a lot of things, but the problem with knowing a lot of things is that we, start, we stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, philosophy reconnected me with that sense of wonder and curiosity. And by being in that state, you can enter any conversation uh, with a different mindset and uh, just like by magic, the conversation becomes different in a matter of seconds when you start asking questions and become interested. And uh, and you know, that's not difficult. The, the skill is not difficult. Okay. What we used to say at Axelon is what is difficult or challenging is to become the person that can use that skill skillfully, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: virtuously, you know?
0: And in that case of listening to people within conversations, it was getting back in touch with a sense of curiosity and learning. And is it relinquishing some of that uh, identity of I have to know all the answers or I have to react in this or I have to share information that... You know, that shows that I know what I'm talking about or that I'm smart or that I'm you know sensitive or whatever those internal dialogues are. Is it around that?
1: Absolutely. It's uh, connecting to that uh, impulse of uh, I need to uh, I need to show up as somebody smart and that's that knows what he's talking about and uh, become be able to transcend that you are, not your idea. You are more than your idea and then you stop fighting for your idea like you're fighting for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the problem with the attachment. Uh, a lot of the work we do at, at, at Action is helping our uh, clients and our uh, program participants to be able to, to, to step back from that uh, idea or from that notion that I am what I think. And then you can look at yourself thinking something and then you can look at yourself changing your mind because you discovered something valuable in something somebody else said. Mm -hmm. But if you are not looking at yourself having the idea but you are looking through some invisible lenses which is your idea, it is impossible to change because you are part of the story. Mm -hmm. So becoming, uh, being able to step back from the story that you hold and realizing that you are much more than that is part of the work we do, and the work, of course, we do for ourselves too, because that's that's the the whole point. I, I would say one of the main values that clients see in us, uh, in in excellent consultants, I I would dare say is the congruence between what we talk about and the way we behave. Uh, there, there, is a, a lot, there are lots of consultants in the markets and you know these are not difficult words to say. Anybody can say these words. The problem is when you see the person in action, sometimes you don't see a congruence between the actions of the person and and, and what he's talking about. And in the, I, I dare to say that in the case of excellent and excellent Consultants, we work a lot to create that congruence and, and you know, to, to, to be able to bring it to the class. And this creates a lot of uh, attraction uh, in, in, in having people like excellent Consultants uh, leading a program.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I was going to go a different Uh, track with my next questions, but but I want to stay into this. So what type of, what is that that you and the other consultants have to do to, what does that work look like and how do you have to practice and prepare yourself to act as you say and as you encourage others to act? And Is it ever easy or is it always challenging?
1: Well, I I like to say that it's it's incredibly easy uh, if you can do it, <laughs> and it's uh, unbelievably challenging if you can't. Um, so we tend to uh, look for people uh, uh, that have an, an, an embarked already in a in a journey of of personal development that have this natural curiosity to you know to start asking themselves the, the the important questions uh, in life you know what am I here for what's my purpose what's my my own noble purpose what what do I want to create in the world and uh, and normally that process <clears throat> should have happened uh, by the time they start with Axial End uh, then <clears throat> we have a a very intense readiness process where um, that that we uh, run people through and uh, and that we facilitate, which has a lot of practice, because uh, we believe that uh, awareness can be uh, instantaneous. I mean, you can you can have a like like an epiphany and realize, yes, this is the way I want to, to live my life. I want to live as a player and not as a victim, or I want to live as a learner and stop behaving as an over. Now, that doesn't mean that you have the skill to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skill you have to develop in our model through practice. And this is what we do in our readiness processes. We we put the, all the consultants through a very intense practice uh, that has many, many aspects to it. Um, reading, discussing, doing exercises, doing practices, uh, working with bodies. Uh, working in forums with our consultants, doing coaching sessions, uh, being coaches and coachees. So they, they get a lot of practice. And then uh, they get uh, certified in, in, in being able to run what we call the, the conscious business trunk or, um, uh, or as coaches of uh, application coachings, uh, coaches for conscious business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but there's a very, very robust uh, process that they have to follow. And as I say, is uh, awareness, but then lots of practice. That's what builds the skill.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for answering that. So once you've, you've got your, your team of consultants and you work with, you're going into a company, a, a new company that you're engaging, do you have a standard process, a, a certain steps that you take all companies through? And if so, could you share a portion of that with us?
1: Yes, uh, and I, I will answer this uh, with, a, with a little uh, detour because the answer to your question is, is yes and no. Uh, we do have a, a normal um, standard process that we would do with any company, and that is uh, trying to understand what's important for them. Uh, so, what we would always do when we come to a company is listen to the uh, person or to the team that's that's telling us about uh, the, the the company about their aspirations about what they are trying to accomplish in the world uh, and then what uh, is preventing them from accomplishing that uh, that 's what we would always do now the response to that mm-hmm listening act is, is completely different in, in every single case. So we don't have an off-the-shelf uh, product offering that we take to the company. We, we don't go to the companies and tell them, look, this is what we have to offer because we don't know. Mm-hmm. The truth is that we, we sit there, we listen to you, uh, and uh, from that from those conversations, then we can build something that could address those needs in uh, on on how to create a platform in the in the human dimension. Something that's very clear from the outset is that we are not there to help you design your business strategy or your or your product portfolio or your or your product positioning in the market. that's not the work we do the work we do is If you have that uh, figured out and you want to create a a culture and a human platform that can enable that strategy to become successful, that's where action can bring you a lot of value. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when when you're talking with businesses or potential clients, do you engage them in this as a client? Do you have to... Do you talk aspirationally, or do you talk more on a strategic level in their language? I mean, what's the kind of the messaging, and uh, yeah, what's the messaging around this before they become your clients?
1: Uh, and again, Olivia, that depends because uh, clients are very different. Clients care about different things. So uh, somebody might be. Very uh, inspired by what they are trying to do, accomplish in the world, uh, and how they are um, in the pursuit of their own noble purpose, and then um, you know the business results and uh, and uh, the strategies and the tactics are at the service of that aspirational noble purpose. So, and then we would have one type of conversation: How can we help him accomplish that? other um, other prospects, as I was uh, saying before, are at the beginning sometimes only interesting interested in improving their business results uh, or they want to improve their retention of their key talent or they they want to um, improve their, um, their their people survey, or they want to deploy a change management process because they have just merged with other company and they are concerned that they might lose good talent in the process. Mm -hmm. You know, or they want to expand geographically, or they want to become more innovative because they they are um, a pharmaceutical company that wants to put six new medicines in the market, uh, for example. And and they are very, very concrete uh, business aspirations um and they um they request help for that and and the conversations are totally different depending on what your client is trying to accomplish does that make sense mhm
0: mhm mm-hmm. Yep. so what could you talk to us about after the after your understanding what their aspiration is what they want to accomplish and what's preventing them from it could you maybe through through an example or two share What type of work do you do with them? I know that there is work with the CEOs at a leadership level that's likely often one-on-one, but many of the clients you work with are large multinational companies. So then also, how do you take that work that you do with leadership and and really help to infiltrate that and translate it across the global company? I just gave you like five questions. (laughs) We should start wherever you want
1: well let, let me start uh, walking you through a, uh, a typical uh, case that uh, that that one of our cases I won't mention the company but uh, I can tell you a little bit of around the the, the business challenge they were uh, they were facing and what we did as a as a response mm-hmm. and what was the impact of that would that help perfect yeah um, so um, the, this was a, a financial services company. Uh, it's, a, it's a big company, more than one hundred thousand employees, a hundred billion dollars in 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 the cap, um, and um, they 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 wanted to become um, a, a preferred company among the, the their key stakeholders. And the way they wanted to become uh, uh, a preferred company was by becoming a customer-centric company and by uh, achieving performance excellence through managers becoming more coaches uh, or coaches managers. Mm. So they wanted to move from a culture that was very used to telling people what to do uh, to learning how to ask uh, people what they thought and to engage in, in mutual learning conversations, to move from a, a culture of, of command and control to a culture of empowerment and trust, uh, a culture that was very prone to avoid conflict or to avoid difficult conversations, to engage in, uh, in, in what they call straight talk and honest conversations. And uh, from a company fully uh, focused on, on, on rational uh, way of solving problems to uh, incorporating the, the, the emotions and the execution to the, to the thought. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to solve problems in a more integral way. And as I said before, uh, from a managers distributing tasks uh, uh, to managers as being coaches of their own people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so we engage in a in a in a program that the, the, what we designed was initially um, an intervention that touched uh, the the top one thousand um, uh, managers in the in, in this company, where where we uh, concentrated on on two or three things that they. That they uh, could leverage in order to turn this around, and um, uh, so so we focused the first intervention of uh, running them through this uh, set of mindsets that I was referring to before. How how can you how can you take charge of of your own life and your own career inside the company? How can you how can you learn how to become more detached of your ideas so you can engage in, in really, really listening to your counterpart. And, and, and then we did lots of practice and role plays. That's, that's the characteristic of any of our interventions. Okay. Because we believe in practice, we do lots of role playing using the real situations that they are facing and the real challenges that they are facing. That's what makes the programs real. For the participants, it's not that uh, we, uh, that a, a typical intervention, accident intervention, is not a, a consultant standing in front of the room, showing you know PowerPoint slides and, and talking to theoretical concepts. All those concepts and and the and the and the, and, and the powerpoints that that we do have are only excuses for the facilitator, the consultant, to be in the room when the real stories start to emerge. And then we become facilitators of those dialogues. And that's when the program starts to hit home for many of the, of the participants because it becomes real for them. Mm-hmm. So we ran the 1,000 top managers of that firm uh, through, through the programs. And then we extended that to the 10,000 top managers. Uh, and that was deployed globally in in different entities and it was customized for every for the different entities because they needed different things and they were run quite independently but uh, there was that 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 project lasted for four or five years and it was deployed uh, all around the world mm-hmm. and uh, to creating these uh, conditions of you know empowerment and trust the capacity to have uh, a straight talk conversations. Uh, the 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 capacity to decide in an integral way and transforming managers into coaches that that and and and, and we work with the senior teams to as a way of creating the container for for these program for these programs to happen because like you said uh, earlier Olivia uh, we believe that the the messages that that people receive on how the senior leaders behave. Are very very important in any in any culture program. Mm-hmm. So if they see their senior leaders behaving in a way that's congruent, that will help the program a lot. While if they watch uh, incongruence with the, what the senior leaders do, that's a huge challenge to to the program. And many times the programs can't even take off because the, the, it it hurts the credibility of of what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think that we've, are, are people who go through these types of processes, the companies, the executives, are they surprised how powerful culture is and what a role that it plays and once they have a strong, once they've transformed that culture into one that really is representative of the values of the people working in it?
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, the, the the impact is is huge. I, I wouldn't say that everybody um, shifts their uh, their behaviors in a in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I I my experience every time we intervene is that there there's a huge, uh, you know, there's always an aha moment uh, happening in the in the program where where suddenly you see the room go silent and uh, and people s- start to become more introspective and and you know y- you can you can you can hear the chips falling uh, as, they, as they are becoming aware of some important concept for them and you never know when that's go- that is going to happen mm-hmm. but it always happens and, and whenever it happens I always have a, a you know a smile in my face because I I I'm happy for, for you know it's it's like you you see people starting to blossom, because when this starts to happen, my experience is that there is no way back. This is a one-way street because once you realize how much more on, on and how much more power uh, you have. Uh, being, you know, in the driver's seat of your own life, that that creates an incredible sense of accomplishment, and that that shifts the, the, the that can shift the culture in an individual, in a team, or in a in a whole company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, th- 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 those those conditions, uh, I would say, are very very common. Of course, there are some programs where where people are either very scared or or very reluctant to look inside. This is a program. Uh, or or all of our interventions uh, invite you to you know to to turn your eyes uh, outside from the outside in and start looking inside yourself, which is where you have the answers.
0: Mm-hmm. So, for culture, when we many of us think of a workplace culture, we think of you know flexible leave time policies that are not not just a, um, healthy relationships in a workplace culture, but also policies that really support the, the full life or kind of the freedom of, of the employees, um, that reward them, that are a fun, the work that you do through Excellent, is it also around helping to create some of these structures and policies or outcomes that, you know, you use the word container before, a container to support this change, or is it also, structural and policy based or is that a natural result that happens later through the work you do with the employees like you know do you help to transform them and then they say on their own we're going to have more fun at work we're going to have more liberal employee leave policies
1: that's exactly what happens um a Culture and, and systems and processes and policies, like like you said before, are artifacts that are a consequence of the level of consciousness of the people that design them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way you treat your employees, the, the policies you have at work, whether you have a cafeteria, whether you have fun at work or not, whether you give people 20% of their time to work on projects of their own like Google does, mm-hmm. All that is a consequence of the way people think and act. So when you work on on, on the meta level, uh, helping people think and act in a in a in a more conscious way, then the the systems and processes naturally evolve because they're they're no longer uh, suitable for the new uh, for the new culture for for, uh, for the new way of thinking. Um, we do not engage uh, with with companies in uh, specifically designing um, uh, processes or or, or platform or, or policies. However, we do support them uh, as they go through that process themselves, because uh, the, the 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 culture project naturally becomes the the overarching uh, guiding principle. Uh, through which uh, or it becomes the lens through which all those new new policies or new processes are filtered
0: mm-hmm. okay great that's it's really I, I think it's it's a you know I try to balance it in my mind and also for listeners and readers of the of the site that taking these principles which are which are meta, which are, um, it's conceptual, although we can put them into practice, which are somewhat philosophical. And what's the, how do you relate them to the the structure and the operational functions of a company? And you know, what is that relation? And what is the relation that Axialent does? And so I think your answer to that question was, <laughs> was very clarifying. Um, so I appreciate that. The work that Axialent does to support Companies are becoming firms of endearment and you know the firms of endearment is a term taken from uh, a book um, around conscious business and conscious capitalism that is applied to a handful of firms that are acting, um, they kind of embrace a shared stakeholder model and they act from principles of consciousness. Um, do, does this same system where you spoke of you know, these policies are artifacts of the levels of consciousness of the people within the business, it, does that apply also for the work that Excellent does with um, through its you know, firms of endearment consulting?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a work we do with firms of endearment. Uh, or, or actually with a, um, firms of endearment, companies that want to become a firm of endearment. The, the truth is that many of these firms of endearment are, are doing this already. You know, the, the four tenets of a firm of endearment like, like uh, Raj uh, Sisodia uh, says in his book, um, are higher purpose stakeholder integration and, and conscious uh, culture and conscious leaders. Um, that those four tenets are, um, are, are ach- achievable in a way through, through the, the, the work uh, excellent uh, does in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the big question is, um, firms of endearment have these four tenets as, as the guiding principles. Now, the, the big question is, how do you create a, a, a culture that can live and die by these four tenets, and and this is i believe what excellent brings to the market it brings a set of principles and tools that allow you to develop these four tenants in a in a in an integral way uh, so for example if you talk about uh well how how do you how do you develop a, a higher purpose for example how do you connect to your higher purpose what is your higher purpose well th- there is a whole set of 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 processes and 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 uh, conversations that uh, enable you a company or a team or a senior leadership team to identify this higher purpose that's inspiring and that brings them together. So we we have the, the, the processes and the skills and the tools that will enable people to manifest this and to develop this if they don't have it. You know, the, the big question is, okay, so, so we are not a firm of endearment today. How do we become one? Well, our response is, well, yeah, yeah, there are some principles, but then you have to do a lot of practice. And normally you will do it one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is uh, what we are the best at, I, I believe, at helping develop those conversations in a way that they, they create the open possibilities of becoming a firm of endearment.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you need to go back to uh, do you know renewal and refresher work with companies a, a certain time period after the initial work that you've done upfront with them? Is that kind of maintenance work?
1: I would say uh, sometimes uh, we do need refreshers uh, and what what normally happens is that um, as companies start to operate through these principles, they, they would ask us to help them as these new ways of, of, of interacting uh, and acting become second nature in, in their way of doing business. So we would become, for example, process facilitators in, in senior leadership team meetings. Where we would help them uh, embody these principles as they engage in business, so the agenda of the meeting is a is a business agenda is they they have to deal with the, the 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 order of business now the the way they do it, how they do it the the way they they honor their operating principles that they have developed together. what happens uh, olivia is as as they get into business uh, the emotions come into the room and everybody gets excited and emotional and passionate mm-hmm. and, and what what tends to happen is that people uh, if this is not second nature for you you tend to forget and you tend to revert to your primary way of doing business and this is totally natural so so this is part of the work we do we are sitting there in the room being the process facilitators by delegation of the team, and then we can stop the meeting, for example, and ask, guys, one of your operating principles is that you want to learn from each other because you believe you all have contributions to make and you honestly respect each other. Is that so? And normally they would say yes, because that's something we develop together. And, uh, and then uh, as a process facilitator, I would say, well, let me share... Uh, an observation of this meeting. In the last 15 minutes, I haven't heard uh, a single question in the room. So you're all saying very smart things. You're giving speeches to each other, but (laughs) nobody's inquiring into what anybody is saying. Mm -hmm. How do you expect to learn from each other if you don't ask questions? And then, you know, the room goes silent and they say, yeah, you're right. So then I invite them, okay, would you like to try again? And, and then they say, okay, let's try again. And then somebody will ask a question. And, and, and what's magical in those cases is that as soon as they start to ask questions from each other, the depth of the meeting takes a dive. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and suddenly it's a completely different meeting where they're speculating, where they're creating together, where they're inventing things, but they have to take that step of awareness to be able to inquire and to connect with the story of the other, and and then become detached of my own story. Mm-hmm. So you see, it's it's they're it's they're very very simple concepts, mm-hmm. but they're incredibly complex if you can't do them. Right. And right. and the reason we can ask those questions to a senior leadership team is because we have their permission that we are the process experts that are going to help them. You see, the, the, the good thing about us is we, we don't have an agenda in the company. Mm-hmm. We don't have a political agenda. I mean, we don't want anybody's job. We just want to help the team. And that helps and makes us very, very credible in, in the world of business today.
0: Okay. That's important. That's interesting. Uh, is there a, in the, you know, the last couple of minutes, is there a favorite experience of yours either through, your own transformative process that you experienced years ago, or through the work that you've been doing to help others realize that, with excellent a favorite experience that you could that you'd want to share and talk about.
1: Uh, well, I, I I like to share always my own experience, mm-hmm. you know, um, because then I share it uh, with the the participants and and they realize uh, what is a temptation that we might fall into mm-hmm. as, as we first start uh, getting in contact with this material. What happened to me is that it made so much sense to me. And, and I said, yes, this is what I want to do. This is the way I want to live my life. And then I had this epiphany, you know, this revelation. And I said, well, this is what I'm going to do it's starting today. So what I did is, you know, the worst thing that you can possibly do when you learn this material, which was to go home and try it with my wife. <laughs> And it so did not work that uh, you know my wife uh, turned around and said, "I mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, what, what are you trying to do? Don't don't use those photocopies on me." I mean, <laughs> it, it was back then there were no, there was no book; there were only photocopies that we we used. And and you know th- this experience was very very helpful for me because one of the things I realized is that you have to start slowly and you don't want to go and face your big the biggest challenge you're facing in your life when we are like with my wife there there are lots of emotions involved we have a long story together and uh, and suddenly changing and it doesn't make any sense you know for the other person mm-hmm. so i was i was completely i, I failed miserably in my in my uh, in my try and and this is what i share this is a story i share with the participants today you know uh, if this makes sense to you, well, don't go and face the biggest challenge uh, in, in your life today. Start with mild challenges and build the muscles slowly. It's the same thing if you go to the gym. I mean, you don't want to start with so much weight that you're going to hurt yourself. You want to start training your muscles slowly. And, and then as you become stronger and as you become more resilient, and as you become more flexible, you can start. You can start to add weights and to and to increase the intensity of the exercises. Exactly the same works here. This is a, a, a lifelong practice. And my recommendation is to anybody that 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 sees a possibility in this is, that's fantastic. Now, you have to practice and build your practice slowly. Build a. A controlled experiment so to speak Mm -hmm. where you can observe what's happening as you try new behaviors but that the consequence of you failing is Mm -hmm. is not dramatic Mm -hmm. because it because then you can try something different and and you know we have a a whole um, uh, blown process that we use with uh, with executive uh, that that become uh, that go through a, a coaching process where we invite them to build these experiments and to start trying new behaviors in in a way that they become, you know, their own scientists of their own behaviors. So, so that's a story I like to share, you know, and and, and people like it because it's a personal story and it's a personal failure.
0: Right. Right. Good. And thank you for sharing that. That was, I I think that we can identify with that on some level of trying something new that we've been excited in on, on the wrong test person or with the wrong degree of uh, enthusiasm at first. So, yeah. <laughs> thanks. So, Richie, thank you so much. It was really fantastic to talk with you today and to hear about your journeys and your experiences and, and helping create these other journeys for individuals and companies. Um, it's, it's very powerful. So, thank you.
1: My pleasure, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more interviews about cause capitalism, visit causecapitalism.com.